Well, today uh, we're continuing our, our little summer mini-series mini called Faith in Life, uh, Extraordinary Lessons from Ordinary Moments in Life. And I, I'm just so struck by how uh, Jesus used this as one of his teaching tools. So, so for, for example, uh, when he would teach about the kingdom of God, he would say a king, the kingdom of God is like a pearl or it's like uh, yeast, or it's like a mustard seed, or, or when he would teach a, a longer story. I mean, who can ever forget how the parable of the prodigal son starts? A man had two sons. You know, just Jesus had this way of just taking ordinary things and turning it into extraordinary lessons about life and about faith. Well, in this series, we're trying to do uh, the same thing. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we started the series by taking a look at faith lessons we can learn from a preschooler, and we focused on how preschoolers have this amazing capacity uh, for joy. And we also acknowledged that, that as we grow older, as adults, we start to have sort of JDD. We have a joy deficit disorder, and we explored during that uh, message time the way that we can uh, reach down and experience the deep gladness and the joy of the Lord, even when times are, are hard and even when times are, are challenging. If you missed that message, I encourage you. It's uh, the June 28th uh, message. Today, uh, what I want us to do is I want us to consider uh, a faith lesson that we can learn from my absolute favorite animal in, in uh, God's animal kingdom, and that is uh, the dog. Uh, and uh, I, Alan is going to scroll a few pictures of some OTCC dogs for you. They're so cute. And um, if you, uh, dogs have also been uh, referred to as humankind or, or man's best friend. And uh, some of you may uh, be familiar with that quote that's often attributed to uh, Harry Truman uh, about really about the political culture here in D.C. and how cutthroat it is. And he says, if you want a friend in Washington, you better get a dog. Well, uh, that might be true. I don't think it is. If you want a friend in Washington, you also connect uh, with the church. But we know that, that uh, humankind and dogs have this incredible connection. Uh, we have learned a lot from our little dog, uh, Marley, who's uh, a miniature schnauzer. I refer to him uh, often, but the, some of the examples we can learn, uh, for example, is uh, the importance of getting enough sleep. Uh, dogs are amazing nap, nap takers. They can be going full speed ahead, uh, one minute, and then just drop and take a really good nap uh, when, uh, when they need to. And I can imagine Jesus just walking by uh, a dog with his disciples. No, it's nowhere in the Gospels. But I can imagine Jesus saying, you know, look, uh, we all sometimes need to just take a break and, and take a rest. Uh, also, dogs are amazing in how they greet their loved ones when they come home. And it reminds us that, hey, we should cherish the people close to us in our lives. And and uh, when uh, we should run to greet them when they come in the door. Or another great lesson from dogs is avoid biting when a growl will do. Uh, that's kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek there. But, you know, be careful on how you ramp up uh, conflict. Or here's one. It's really important in life to have people who will encourage you and not be stingy with praise. Dogs thrive on affirmation, and so do humans. Authentic, that's the key word, authentic affirmative words go a long way in filling our tank and encouraging us. Conversely, uh, most dogs will cower when their pet parent raises their voice. Most of us also cower internally when someone raises their voice 
to us. I read a study once where it said it takes five affirmative positive words to counter one negative criticism. So we can learn some things uh, from these faithful little creatures called the dog. And that's the attribute that I want to focus on today is this the attribute of faithfulness. There are exceptions, of course, but in general, dogs are considered incredibly faithful to their family or as they would know it as their pack. There are thousands of videos on YouTube that demonstrate the faithfulness of dogs to their owners, and I'll let you search that on your own. Get a box of tissues because some of them are real tearjerkers. But one of the things I read is that humankind and dogs have bonded for years. We know that. But recently, there has been research to suggest that the connection between dogs and humans could be actually genetic. Scientists say there are a handful of genes that appear to be linked to the tendency for dogs to seek help and contact from human beings. Well, this is not a teaching time about dogs, however. But it is a teaching time about faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, typically in church, when we talk about faithfulness, we explore ways that we can increase our faithfulness to God, and we challenge each other to live faithful lives. However, what I want us to do this morning is just turn the table a little bit. And during this teaching time, I want us just to, as God's children and as God's people, just celebrate and soak up and explore the faithfulness of God to us. We're going to consider uh, several passages this morning, so be ready to turn or scroll uh, in your Bibles. Our theme verse, though, is uh, from Psalm 105, and it reads, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. What a verse. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues for all generations. Now, before we dig in any further, let's just go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, we thank you for this verse. We thank you for this promise for us in our lives that indeed you are faithful to us. So God, as we celebrate and explore your faithfulness, I ask that you would clear our hearts and minds, enable us to hear a word from you. Lord, draw us nearer to you. Comfort us, strengthen us, challenge us in this word this morning. In the name of Jesus, we humbly ask and we pray. Amen. Well, a couple of uh, ways we see uh, God's faithfulness to us. First of all, we see God's faithfulness in God's faithful presence. Psalm 139, uh, 7 through 10, uh, captures this in a very poetic and incredible way. It just captures the steadfast and all-encompassing faithfulness of God. It is a psalm attributed to King David. It reads like this, starting with verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. What a beautiful and poetic way to describe the constant faithfulness of the presence of God. Now, leading into those verses, 
the psalmist says to the Lord, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. David is telling us here that God cares for us and God is with us in all circumstances of life. We see this incredibly in times of struggle. David writes, if I make my bed in the depths, and David knew a thing or two about depths. He knew depths that come from, from uh, when we struggle through things that we uh, bring into our own lives. The kind of depths that we struggle with when we fail and, and when we make mistakes and, and when we sin. David also knew struggles that simply came his way. And we, we too would say we know both of those kinds of struggle. But of course, we would also recognize that every struggle is not necessarily in the deep of the depths, right? Maybe in a time like we're in right now, maybe in a time like COVID-19, it might be good for us to even consider designing what I've called for us our personal struggle meter. So if you take a look at uh, the struggle meter graphic there, uh, you can see that the green areas may be a, a light struggle, not a difficult one, and then all the way over to the right is a really challenging one. So, so uh, one on the struggle meter may be your favorite Netflix or Brit Box or Amazon Prime show got dropped. I know I had to coach Brian through a real struggle he had uh, with that earlier. Or a three uh, may be your vac vacation plans have had to change. Five may be relational or financial challenges, which can go up to six, seven, or eight. Seven could be a serious health issue. Eight to ten could be the loss of a loved one. You label your own personal struggle meter and, and start to say, okay, this is a one for me today, or this is a five, or, or this is an eight, nine, or a ten. I have noticed during this challenging season, it is hard for some of us to articulate struggle. Some of us may even feel guilty for struggling with, let's say, a three on the struggle meter when we know people who are struggling with an 8 to 10. I, I know I have. And it's really good for us to consider the feelings and the needs of others. Our Lord calls us to empathize with others and to bear one another's burdens. And yet, in order for us to receive God's presence in our struggles, we have to turn and face ours honestly and allow the Lord to deal with them on our behalf. And so God draws his presence into our lives when we struggle, and the key is for us to face them honestly so that we can experience his presence. Now, to be certain, if your struggle is that your show has been dropped, and by the way, I was just kidding with Brian, but if your struggle has been that your show has been dropped, take that to the Lord, but be ready for the Lord to say, you know what, don't worry about the show, spend a little more time in prayer anyway. But even in this kind of struggle, taking that to the Lord, the Lord will allow you to redefine and align some of your priorities in your life. And if your struggle is in the 8 to 10 range, we can trust God's faithful presence in the deep of the depths. Or as Psalm 23 reminds us, to walk with us in the dark valley of the shadow of death. God is there to carry us comfort us and simply be present with and for us. But I encourage you, God is with you when you struggle. Develop a personal struggle meter and take those to the Lord. Now, as we take another look at Psalm 139, 
we also recognize that God is present in the struggles and the successes and the joy. So not just the struggles, but God is also with us in the successes and the joys. The poetic image, again, is captivating. If I go up to the heavens, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, how do we acknowledge the presence of God when everything is going well? A friend of mine always says, whenever you consider a project or a new adventure, that people often don't ask a key question. They will often ask, what happens if this this fails? But they seldom ask, what happens? How will I change? What should I do if this succeeds? How will I handle success? Sometimes success and joys and good times can be even harder for us to respond in faithfulness to God's presence. Sometimes we just look to God and lean on God in the challenging times. We forget to lean on God and and acknowledge the presence of God in the good times. There's a great lesson for us from Israel's history. The people of Israel were in a building campaign as they built the temple. They were riding high and incredibly successful. All the leaders and the people gave generously to the effort. And King David then surveyed the situation and said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And then he says this, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything comes from you. And we have only given you that which comes from from your hand. We live in a success-driven culture. And one of the great temptations is to take the credit and to think success is all about us. It is, forget to, it is to forget to stop and give thanks to God who has already been there. And any success or joys we experience, they've come from the hand of God. A few weeks ago, we talked about gratitude being the posture that makes joy accessible. I would also like to suggest that gratitude is also another way to draw close to the pervasive presence of God. It is a very intimate act to look at somebody and to sincerely thank them for something they've done in your life. That draws you even deeper into their presence. And it's the very same way with God. When we acknowledge the good things in our lives. We draw closer to the presence of God when we thank him humbly for all that he has done. Okay, I can't resist showing you this video about being grateful. It's only a minute. Take a look. Lula, vamos a orar. Amado Señor, te damos gracias por los alimentos que nos vamos a servir. Bendice las manos que lo proveyeron en el nombre poderoso de Jesús. Amén. Okay, so if dogs can be grateful for what comes from the hand of God, 
I'm kidding. I know the dogs weren't praying. Please don't send me notes and emails about that. You get my point, though. Now, I'm going to encourage you to resist temptation to start sending that email to around to all your friends and watching it because we need to dig in some more on God's faithfulness. So God is faithful in his presence, but there's also another uh, side of God's faithfulness I want us to see, and that is God is faithful in his character. So God is not just faithful to us. God is faithful to himself. God is steadfast and unchanging in character. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I love that imagery. Shadows shift and change depending on the time of the day or depending on how trees may blow, but not God. We can count on God's faithfulness to be who he says he is. We can count on God's promise of salvation in Jesus. We can count on God's pervasive presence. We can count on God to exalt and lift up the humble. We can count on God to take care of the poor. We can count on God to love us even when we are still sinners. Everything that God has promised you, everything that God has said about himself in his word, you can count on, you can take to the bank. God is faithful, unchanging, and steadfast, steadfast in his character. That is so comforting. That is so comforting because we, as mere mortals, we can be quick to change. Sometimes we struggle to keep our word. Sometimes we struggle to keep our promises. Have you ever failed to keep a promise? I have. And, and I may have shared this story with some of you before, but it's really appropriate given our, our topic today. Uh, this statue here uh, is the only thing that our family has and with a few pictures of a dog we used to have uh, called Bingo. We adopted Bingo in uh, 1999 when we were living in Minnesota. Uh, we rescued him. He was uh, a stray. And uh, our kids were six and seven at the time. And uh, we brought Bingo in. Bingo was this incredible, handsome, uh, golden, uh, or, uh, yellow lab mix. And uh, Bingo was, the only nice way I know how to say it, was just incredibly, incredibly um, stubborn. And uh, was very difficult to take uh, instruction and uh, immediately Bingo presented problems. So every time we would open the door, Bingo took that as his cue to explore the neighborhood, and then we would have to run around and chase him. Uh, he would eat strands of, of carpet in our basement. He would uh, eat through uh, the screen door. Uh, he went on a search and rescue mission uh, for every single uh, baby doll and Barbie doll that my daughter Margot uh, had and what he could do. Uh, and just, it was amazing. He ate bicycle seats. He even ate a hole in the drywall in the garage. And so uh, at some point during this journey, my kids picked up that I wasn't real happy with bingo. I don't know how they picked that up, but they did. And they would start to ask me, hey, Dad, we're not going to give bingo back, are we? And so I said, no, we need to take him to, to training. So we took him to training, and he failed that. Uh, the uh, trainer recommended a, a shock collar, and I asked if I could have one for me. Uh, instead, uh, if I have to shock a dog, it's, it's not the type of dog for me. And it just went on and on. And then one day, Bingo actually snapped at one of the kids. 
And so this is when we had to make the tough decision to take Bingo back uh, to the animal shelter. And we were uh, at least told that Bingo found a home uh, with a family with a big yard. But that really was hard to do because I had made a promise to my kids. Not long after that, we got Skipper, our West Highland White Terrier. Skipper lived to be uh, 16 years old. We even had him for a few months after we moved here. And in his puppy days, uh, Skipper would do things that puppies do. And my kids occasionally would look at me and say, we're not going to give him back, are we, Dad? And every time they would ask that, oh, it was just took the wind out of my sails. Mere mortals, we struggle sometimes to keep our promises, don't we? We struggle sometimes to be completely steadfast and true, but not God. Not God. God is not like us. God keeps his word, and God is faithful to his character. Will you just celebrate that truth this morning? Will you just thank God for being who he says he will be in his word to you? That he is faithful and steadfast and he will not break any of his promises in your life to you. Well, one more celebration about God's faithfulness. And that is God is faithful to his work in your life. You are God's masterpiece. And God is faithful to work in your life. Let me suggest three crucial areas. First of all, your salvation. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You can count on God's salvation work in your life. If you have given your heart to Jesus and made the decision to stand with him and to follow him, God will be faithful to stand with you for all eternity. You will not get to heaven and stand before the throne of God and God say, oh, that salvation thing? Just kidding. No. There's nothing or no one that can take your salvation away. God is faithful to your salvation. You cannot lose it any more than you could have earned it on your own in the first place. You can grieve the Spirit of God when you sin as a Christian, and you can be robbed of the joy of walking in full communion with God. But once you have given your heart to God, you can count on God to be faithful to the salvation grace in your life. Now, this verse also means that God does not leave us as he found us when he saved us. God is always working on us, which brings us to another crucial area of God's work, and that is the work of your transformation. God the Holy Spirit is faithful to work in each one of us to make us more and more like Jesus. The theological term here is sanctification. Essentially, the Holy Spirit works in us to make us holy. And this holiness is for a purpose. This holiness is for your good so that you live life the way God wired you and the way God designed you to live. And it's for God's glory. Peter writes that Christians are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Imagine God patiently, faithfully working in your life so that your life is a declaration of praise 
to him so that your life is a living doxology. Somebody say, I want to be a living doxology. Just put it in the chat room right now. Somebody say, I want to be a living doxology. Now, I don't know about you, but I need God's patient faithfulness in me to make me a living doxology to him. What does this look like in the trenches of transformation? God is faithful to teach you in his word. God is faithful to draw you into community with other Christians like we are here at OTCC because we need each other in our faithfulness to the Lord to be made in the image and likeness of Jesus. God is faithful to rescue you when you face temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Hear that? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So if you struggle with temptation, if you give in to temptation, you can't just say, well, I didn't have a choice. Or that temptation was just too strong. No. This promise from God is that God will make a way for you to stand up. God will make a way for you to resist. You are not alone in the battle. God is with you, fighting with and for you. What does this look like in the trenches of transformation? God is faithful to forgive you when you sin, when you fall. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is not going to let the weight and stain of sin to keep you from experiencing the fullness of transformation. You see, guilt for past sin is one of the ways Christians are robbed by the evil one from a life of joy and future holiness. But when you have tasted and repented from and, and tasted the forgiveness of God, that's when his grace just runs free in your life with his transforming power and presence. So we see God is faithful to continue his good work of salvation. He's faithful to continue his good work of transformation. And lastly, he's faithful to continue his good work of mobilization. God has a high and holy purpose for your life, and he will put you into position to be mobilized for his mission in the world. And this is different from our general call to mission. God has a unique purpose and mission for you, and he will work that into your life in such a way that gives your life joy and meaning. God is so faithful to us. Let's just celebrate that this morning. God is so faithful to us. He's faithful in his presence. He's faithful in his character. He is who he says he is in your life, and he's faithful to the work he started in you. He will not leave you unfinished. So how do we respond to this faithfulness of God? Do you remember Hurricane Katrina? During that incredible tragedy, there were reports of people who wouldn't leave their homes as floodwaters started to rise because they refused to leave their pets behind. I saw a report from one man that said, my dog is all I have, the only friend I have. 
He has been faithful to me. How can I leave him here? Because of the way pet owners responded in Katrina, FEMA changed protocols and now allows pets into shelters during disasters. Now, you can debate the logic of the man's response another time. But there's a lesson here. The way to respond to faithfulness is to give it back in return. The way to respond to God's faithfulness in your life is to give it back to God in return. He's faithfulness. And he so desires our faithfulness, our love, and our loyalty as our response. Let's all make the commitment today to be faithful to our faithful God.